Yeah. So specifically our journey was, um, you know, we did more sales over Black Friday weekend than we had done in the two years preceding. So over a three day period, we sold more pillows than we did over two years. Um, so the, obviously the biggest issue that presented itself to tell, take care of right away was supply chain. Right. Um, uh, how do you get from selling a pillow on Shopify to a customer? This episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have Clark Bigler, CFO over at PillowCube. In this episode, Clark goes over one, where do most e commerce businesses fail? Two, understanding the cash flow cycle of a business. And three, picking the right financial products for your business type. This is a really informational episode, y'all. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. And today we're talking about D2C pillows, consumer pillows. We're talking with the CFO of Pillow Cube. Uh, these guys are spending $900,000 a month last month, $1.1 million in this month on paid advertising. And I believe it's just like a, literally a pillow that is a cube. Uh, for those that, uh, I don't know, that sleep weird, I guess. I, uh, I'd love to learn more, but uh, Clark Bigler, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Explain to me the whole cube thing first, right? And you're you're the finance guy. I'm excited to talk to you. You're, you're, you're actually, you're the second like CFO we've had on the show. So normally on the show, we, we get into, you know, rich ad, poor ad, and kind of save the financial goodies for last, but we're switching it up today. I'm excited to get into it, but you first have to explain to me, why would somebody want a square, a square pillow? Yeah. So if I could describe it, uh, sum it up in a couple sentences, it's, you know, every, everybody tries to make a pillow for everyone. And in doing so, they make a pillow for no one. Um, so the pillow cube is specifically designed for side sleepers. Um, it's a very high quality core memory foam. And the idea is that it really supports, um, the neck and head of side sleepers. Um, turns out we have a very large demographic that sleep on their sides. Um, but the idea is designing a pill that is very comfortable for one particular sleeping position. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course we're finding it's uh, extremely popular and it does really, really well. There you go. There you go. Product. Uh, you're going to also do product marketing. Uh, <laughs> sounds yeah. great. <laughs> so, so, sounds like a startup. So um, cool. So tell everybody a little bit about, uh, you know, Pillow Cube's journey. It's pretty new. You guys have been scaling ads uh, pretty uh, aggressively. So give everybody a little bit of backstory on the business. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm doing justice to the full backstory, um, our CEO, Jay Davis and myself, you know, we, we go back almost 15 years. We were friends in our undergraduates at BYU here in Utah. And we, we kind of went our separate ways after we graduated, did, did a decade of doing other things apart. And then about four years ago, he came back and he started an advertising agency and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, of course, um, love the creative side, even though I'm a finance guy. So we started a, an advertising agency. And then two years after that, you know, Jay kept asking himself, hey, I'm helping everyone else do it. 
you know, why can't I do this on my own? And Jay's a taller guy, um, a bigger guy. He's about six foot three. Um, and he's always, he's always had problems supporting his neck and getting a good night's rest. And so the first product and first company he wanted to launch direct to consumer was the pillow cube really out of a desire to solve his own problem. Um, and so kind of off of the back of our advertising agency, we launched pillow cube, you know, all of our original content that pops up almost incessantly on everyone's Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Our, our interns and hourly employees at our advertising agency, all, um, you know, not working for free. I guess we were paying them hourly at the time to make the, the content. Uh, but we made all of the content with our advertising agency and we hired them to manage kind of our ad spend and our growth. And um, it, it turns out that, you know, because we kind of all have our roots in advertising, it did pretty well. You know, it exploded our own direct-to-consumer brand, and, you know, we're, we're sitting here today doing well. That's awesome, man. All right. So I, uh, you gave me the best analogy I think I've ever heard when it comes to funding and, uh, and paying for ads. Um, and maybe you could kind of get, share the analogy that you gave, uh, to me and, and you probably are championing and explaining to everyone at, at pillow cube. How would you describe, uh, yeah. the, the, the conundrum of <laughs> scaling that? Uh, yeah, the analogy, the metaphor I gave you was was very much like a dog. What, what does a dog do when it actually catches a car? <laughs> right. You know, um, and that's that's a lot like our journey. Right. Is we we always talked about getting big and making it big, but very little conversation around what do we actually do when we're here? Because the journey is certainly not already, it's not over once you're, you're doing a thousand, 1500 units a day of pillow sales, right? It's, it's certainly not over. Um, and it actually is when the real work begins. And so I think that was for us a kind of a, a small advertising agency that kind of converted into a pillow cube. Um, the real journey began when we actually started selling these things like crazy, because, um, you know, my, my partner, I love him to death. Jay, he's an amazing strategic visionary. Um, but what do you do when you're sitting on 5,000 back orders and, you know, you're struggling to fulfill? That was kind of, I think what the genesis of this conversation. And I think where a lot Mm -hmm. of e-commerce businesses end up failing is, is poor execution once they get in front of uh, a, a solid customer base. Mm-hmm. And is it fair to say that Pillow Cube experienced this in, in Q4 yeah. <laughs> of last year? Yeah. I think <laughs> and so what do you do? What's the what's the what's the short checklist here, right? If Yeah. If- so specifically our journey was um you know, we did more sales over Black Friday weekend than we had done in the two years preceding. So over a three-day period, we sold more pillows than we did over two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- obviously, the biggest issue that presented itself to t- take care of right away was supply chain. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, uh, how do you get mm-hmm. from selling a pillow on Shopify to a customer? And, you know, we're still learning our lessons here. I, I would say that, you know, if we f- fully mastered the supply chain kind of enigma, Mm-hmm. Um, then, then, you know, we're already ready to exit and move on to the next business. But I think the most important lesson we learned from supply chain, and this is just one of the execution pieces to running a successful business, uh, was diversification. 
I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we found some really good single source suppliers and the pricing was great. The sales pitch was great. The -hmm. contract was great. Uh, but we didn't have uh, foam in our warehouse. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, what ended up happening and, and right now is an especially hard time to operate. Um, for us, during November, December last year, we had a lot of canceled orders uh, because we had a ton of foam just sitting on boats floating outside of Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, could we have fully anticipated those problems? Uh, no, certainly not. But at least... Um, what I think Jay did really well from a, from a, an executive standpoint, right? If we're if we're talking specifically to CEOs who are managing their business, is yeah. early on Jay created a relationship and and hired an amazing chief operating officer mm. for supply chain. Um, we hired uh, you know one of my good friends now Joey from um, one of the large um, kind of essential oil MLMs that come out of Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's going to get a good laugh because like, <laughs> like I'm from Utah now. I grew up in Southern California, but I'm from Utah now. And for whatever reason, Utah is like synonymous with essential oil and MLMs. Uh, <laughs> but we brought him in because he just has this massive international supply chain experience. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, being willing to, whether it be sacrifice, you know, some options to a, a high level guy like that, or pay a salary that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, definitely pays dividends. Because <laughs> you know what, there's nothing more expensive than unfulfilled orders. Um, mm. So that was that was kind of key step one for us is pushing Joe Joey as a priority to be a part of our team. Um, mm. And then, and then second after that is kind of the cash flow requirements. I think that's the one where, you know, as a CFO, everyone always talks to me about like, oh, how do I solve cash flow? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, I have some good insights, but at the end of the day, it's like you might as well ask me how to solve world hunger, right? It's it's <laughs> an extremely complex set of variables. Mm-hmm. So, what is like the most? Uh, What's the best hack you think that you could come up with that uh, or tip you could give to to another e-commerce business that is trying to solve for uh, their cash flow needs? Uh, hire a good CFO. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is is where I get to have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, right? Even though I've been involved and kind of in the ownership group since day one, Mm -hmm. you know, I I didn't make this my, this was my side hustle up until February. I've been giving of my time freely for Mm -hmm. almost four years now. And you know, I think I think it's one of the reasons why it's worked out so well for Jay is his ability to create these strong relationships with diverse backgrounds, diverse people and mm-hmm. have, you know, have someone like me willing to provide him the feedback, the consulting, the service um, without getting paid for such a long time. Can everybody do that? I don't know. Is that the right mm-hmm. way to operate for every business? I also don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's worked really, really well for Pillow Cube because you know, the, the double-edged sword in all this, right, is if you hire all these these really expensive executives around you, you're also going to run out of cash flow, right? So it's almost mm-hmm. a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the things Jay and I did well is we would frequently meet together and we'd have open discussions on like, hey, what kind of revenue and profit numbers do we need to see before we can support, support like a minimal salary for me to come work here. And, you know, I think that's a testament to Jay really, 
you know, in my opinion, why he's such a good CEO is he's not afraid to have those conversations. He's not afraid to speak candidly to a guy. And, and it's even though he and I have been friends for so long, that's why I kind of set the table is he was also not afraid to say, no, you're too expensive. Um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and to have that candid conversation and find people that were more invested in the idea than a paycheck. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out ad card. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. All right. And what, outside of just telling you what you're, you know, D date is when you run out of cash. What what's the single best thing tactic that that your CFO or VP of finance can do for the company in the first three? Yeah, so years? it's it's that it's it's really understanding. Um, it's more bringing cash in, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think the the biggest when I work with CEOs, I think the hardest thing to fully grasp as a visionary and strategic guy is that mm-hmm. a profitable business, if it's growing rapidly, runs out of cash very rapidly. In, a, in essence, what I'm saying is cash and accrual accounting are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. know that that seems very, very basic. You know, no. but I've, I've worked with CEOs where, you know, I get asked the question, why do I have to pay taxes on things I haven't received cash for yet? And, mm-hmm. and, and this was a CEO who was an MBA. And Mm -hmm. so I realized that was a very enlightening moment for me. I realized he doesn't really understand the difference between cash and accrual basis accounting. Mm -hmm. In essence, just because you've earned a profit doesn't mean you've been paid a full profit. And I know that seems so rudimentary and basic, but really understanding the nuance of those differences. And I I would say a great CFO is going to come into a CEO and really help him understand his cash flow cycle. It's Mm -hmm. what are your streams of income and when exactly do you get those in your checking account? What are your outflows of cash and when exactly do they come out? That is an entirely set of different variables other than your accrual basis gain and loss. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of small e-commerces may be a cash basis accounting system and and that's okay. Um, It typically ends up being harsher on cash to be a cash basis accounting system for taxes. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I usually, I, you know, encouraged our company to go accrual and, and then, so a good CFO is going to sit down with our CEO and I'm going to, I'm going to have the hard conversation of understanding the cash flow cycle 
Mm -hmm. uh, but then from there, also really understanding our different streams of non-revenue you know, based influxes of cash. So that's going to be your debt and equity deals. Um, is it, it's going to be venture capital, private equity, um, and debt. Um, fortunately for, for um, PillowCube, we went right from the – we grew so fast. We went right from the friends and family investments <laughs> directly to commercial lending, right? So, because we, mm -hmm. we grew, you know, 8,000% in three months. And so, you know, the banks aren't super thrilled to lend us money, but we have so much uh, immediate cash flow that they are. Um, and so we kind of jumped over the venture capital step. I think that was, we were very fortunate. I'm not a big fan of that step. That's, mm -hmm. that's the step where you end up just squabbling over the valuation in your company. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, having a great CFO is going to help you navigate your true cost of all those different cap capital options. Mm -hmm. um, where yeah. equity is great because you don't have to service a monthly debt repayment. It mm -hmm. ends up being way more expensive to you in the long run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, then, and then debt, it's just there's now, you know, as, even as a CFO, I'm just always finding new avenues to go the debt route. Um, there's just a myriad of different ways to go down the debt financing route. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in e-commerce, in my opinion, uh, revenue-based lending is extremely, extremely attractive for a small company. Um, it's just kind of high cash flow requirements, um, mm -hmm. but, but it's just very low kind of uh, uh, recourse debt, right? You don't have to sign personal yeah. guarantees. Your owner's not... Signing I think, his house and his assets to get it. I think one of the one of the mistakes I see people make is they pick the wrong you know financial products for their business type. So yeah. you've got you know you've got a uh, divvy in your backyard right there in Utah, but you also have like a Brex or like a, a ramp in the space, and like. I think, you know, Brex or, you know, Ramp, those guys are just doing with, you know, cash underwriting, right? And so it's based on how much cash you have in the bank, right? And if you're a growing business, you are running out of cash. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so cash is great for funded startups, right? It's great for life sciences where, where there's high cash balances. But generally, you're fast growing companies that are growing by, you know, 20%, 30% month over month, or in your case, like 8,000%. <laughs> Uh, you have to somewhat pick like even the right hard product or financial product that, that fits, uh, you know, the assets that you have in your, in your business. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, it's, it's, and it's all really understanding the products they're offering. I mean, there's what's really popular for e-commerce is kind of some asset based products like inventory based lending, which it's funny because for us, I would love to have the option and do some of that, that, debt, but you can't keep a single product in inventory. So, you know, yeah. when, I'm, when I'm chatting with people and they're, they're looking at our financials, is your inventory, your finished goods inventory really zero? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Cause whatever, whatever we got that day is, is being shipped, you know, that day. So, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, I've talked about revenue based lending, which, which is really more, you know, selling advanced receivables. It's really, it's actually not even technically considered debt. Um, those are great. How do you, let's honest. talk about that. Right. Yes, so like who, who, who in the space, like, you know, who are the top like three revenue based financing companies and how do you go about justifying uh, you know, the fee associated with 
with those products. They're all fixed fee. Yeah. So percentage of your revenue. So, you know, my, my background is underlying is it accounting. So I always live by a motto. If something is too good to be true, it's too good to be true. There's no such thing as too good to be true. Um, you're going to have a give and take with all of your different debt products. Um, so a commercial, a, a classic debt from a bank, right? If I went down to the bank and I, I took out a million dollar line of credit, um, it, it's going to be a much lower interest rate, but they're going to file a UCC filing on you and they're going to own your first and last child. They're going to own your house, right? They, they own you with that debt. So cost of capital is extremely low, but you have a lot of giveaway there. Basically, mm-hmm. you can't go out and get other debt. You know, you, you, you would struggle mm-hmm. working um, with private equity, right? You would struggle with the takeaway from that. Um, mm-hmm. Where revenue-based lending, the idea, for those, for those who don't understand, I realize a lot of people in e-commerce do, the principle of revenue-based lending is, is you advance me, let's say, a million dollars. I guarantee you back a certain percentage of my daily sales. In most cases, it's between 11 and 20% of your daily sales back, um, plus a fixed fee. So it's, it's anywhere typically between 10 and 15 to 20% um, mm-hmm. on top of the original amount loaned. So you give me a million, I pay you back 1.1 million based on tw- 10 to 15 to 20% of my sales. That's, that's the way it works. So it's, an, it's a much, much higher cost of capital. It's, it's even more expensive than just doing it on a credit card. But the, but the reverse end is, is you're not um, traditionally encumbered like you are from leverage from a bank. It's the least amount of recourse you have to give to a company because they're going to get paid back a lot faster. Um, they, they typically don't even really underwrite your company. They just ask for a set of financials and then they'll loan you money. So the answer, yeah, I know it's crazy because uh, what they what they'll typically do is they'll get back end logins to your your your. And who's they? Let, let's let's throw some names out there. Yeah, the um, one, the one we use, and I'll give them props. You know, maybe maybe we can just just be very direct. The the company we use is Wayflyer. Uh, the mm-hmm. reason why we use Wayflyer is is they're willing to guarantee a payback period, which most revenue based lenders aren't. So in essence, I, my guaranteed payback period is typically seven to 12 months, which means mm-hmm. if I'm doing more than the percentage of sales they sign me up for, they actually reduce the percentage of sales. Um, and their annual percentage rate is around the 10% range, which is about a quarter of what other revenue-based lenders are. Um, we, Do that one more time. The annual percentage rate or the fee? So, this is so basically, yeah, being a finance guy, you can back into whatever an annual percentage rate is. The last deal I did with them was about seven months at a, at 6% fee. So that kind of backs me into just above 10% as my annual percentage rate on my debt. Right? Seven months, 6% fee. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what you yeah. Yeah. So, and so how, how do you do the math from six to, to, to 10? What, what's the mental? Yeah. So the mental math is basically right. Is it's uh, so it would just be 6% divided by seven, seven twelfths. Yeah. So that gets you to what your annual percentage rate is. There you go. Little, little. You put me on the spot, man. You were testing me to see if, I, if I'm there not peeking out my, my ears. <laughs> That's a little basic math here. <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to be such a hard like, mathematical. This is, this is rich head for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're making sure I'm not just BSing everybody, right? That's so um, funny. So 
we'd, we'd actually in the past, we'd, we'd just, um, Shopify Capital is probably is probably the most prominent uh, revenue based lender mm-hmm. that just because they're able to get in front of you so quickly because they are um, a, a function of Shopify. Um, they worked great when we were small, small, small. Um, in fact, they they provided us under um, 100,000 in capital in the very beginning when we first did our Black Friday, which was great um, with almost no underwriting. They basically offered it because they had access to see our store. Um, but, but, you know, when you when you kind of do the math, the same math we just talked through, their annual percentage rate was like 60%. Mm. So... Um, as you get larger, you get more options. Um, that's why we went with Wayflyer, which is a London-based firm. Um, there's several others that I've I've chatted with. Um, I can't remember their names off the top of my Wayflyer, head. Wayflyer, they give you a couple options, though, right? Oh, they like it's kind of yeah. like what are how are, how do they structure all the different options compared to? Um, I mean, so they they they're really flexible. They're willing to do almost anything you ask. Um, with us, they basically offered us two options. They said, Hey, we'll give you a million bucks over four weeks. And if we do that, your, your, your fee will be 6%. Um, we'll over two weeks, we'll give you half a million each week, but your fee will be like six and a half percent. Over four weeks. Well, that's when they'll disperse the cash, right? Oh, oh okay. Payback okay. period was a uh, payback period of seven months for both. They won't let you draw it all down like day one. Basically, what they're getting at. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of when I, you know, negotiating. Where if any feedback I got is they, oh, they won't let me draw it all down day one. And typically, typically, I've found though, if I need a million bucks a day one, I need to be looking at a different debt vehicle other than than a revenue based loan, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm using a revenue based loan so I can scale up my ad spend, which is which is a day to day gradual thing. And why are they at seven months? Like well, everyone else is at six. What, what, what's the, I, I don't know that there was anything special there than other than that we asked for it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like right. I said, it's an extremely accommodating. I've, I've been impressed. I've haven't had any negative experiences and, and granted, typically in my, my career history, which is more in corporate finance, right? I came from a Goldman Sachs background and, and public accounting pedigree. I'm typically used to working with banks um, the ability, you know, we were funded within a week. We got our first quarter million within a week of chatting with these guys on the first sales call. I'm used to like taking 90 days to get cash from a financial in- financial institution. How does that work with like a London-based firm? I mean, do they just like wire you the money or do you get a virtual card or? W- wired the money directly to our checking account. All right. There you yeah. go. I feel I feel like then, this has become a sales pitch for Wayflyer, but yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get them to sponsor. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, well, I better get, yeah, I better get some sort of. Uh, well, here's the off. thing, though. I don't. I, I think the way you're breaking all this stuff down, though, Clark, is actually like your typical marketer on the show does not like do all of this level of detail. The most, you know, that most of our advertisers on the show, they're like, I have a winning campaign. I just spent 250 grand on it, but. Somehow I'm in a cash crunch 30, 60 days later. I thought yeah. my ROAS was phenomenal, right? Yes. Um, and so then they're they're kind of just like, get me money in the door and not really thinking through all the nuances. So you're, edu- yeah. you know, these questions are, are prying, but you're educating yeah. um, a, a, a ton here. One of the last questions I have just to wrap up the, the, the Wayflyer front is when you, do you, 
do they just automatically take a percentage of your sales daily or weekly or like what's the repayment? Yeah. So the repayment is an automatic percentage of your sales daily. Um, you know, in order to sign a deal with an outfit like this, you have to allow them access to your, your, your store. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no if, ands or buts or ways around that. Um, mm-hmm. and typically they'll, they'll just take view only access, right? They don't need to make any modifications to your store, but they need mm-hmm. to know what your sales are. And what's, what's great about Wayflyers is ours is 11% until we hit our monthly cap. So basically, mm-hmm. if you do the math, and, and I apologize for not having these numbers off the top of my head, right? We our, our total, you know, it would just be whatever whatever our total payout on the loan was, a million sixty thousand, right? On the assumptions we were using, and divide that by seven months. Um, once we hit our monthly cap, they st- stopped taking our eleven percent out that month. So because wow. we grew so much last in March, they only ended up taking their payments like 14 out of the 30, um, 31 days of the month. We had like half of the month where they weren't drawing from us because we'd already hit our gap. The, yeah. As far as I know, and I, you know, I could be a bit ignorant in this field, that is the only revenue-based lender that's willing to cap. The rest will continue to eat away 11% of your sales until they get all of their funds back. Yeah. And have you guys ever used like ClearBank? I mean, I feel like I've heard my, yeah. their name more often. Yeah, than... I, I had a, a conversation with ClearBank, but again, they weren't willing to do the things like Wayflyer is, like the caps, um, and and their interest rates are between eleven and twenty percent. Um, I, I call them interest rate, but that's just their flat fee, right? So if you took out a million bucks, they'd want one hundred and ten thousand back as revenue. Well, ClearBank kind of advertises six percent, right? But if you're gonna wire, if you're gonna wire it out to the bank, that's where they that's where they get you. Yes. Um, amazing. Well, Clark, you've like uh, educated everybody on like probably one of the, the more popular ways to fund their business, um, and you've educated everybody on how to really think about um, just how to structure a deal, right? How to walk into that door and that sales conversation educated with all the different levers to pull. Um, most everybody's just negotiating on rate, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But there's a lot more to to pull the the trigger on. Um, yeah. A- a- any any other thoughts that you would have for like an e-commerce um, business that's looking to scale that you, know, you would, or any other tools or negotiation tactics with, with vendors that you would recommend? Yeah, actually, you brought brought to mind a big thing. Um, Having a strong negotiator for payment terms is going to be huge in your cash flow struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, f- frankly, as, as one of the things I found when I came in with with PillowCube was one of the biggest things I could bring to the table from the beginning is calling mm-hmm. up all of their vendors and saying, yeah, I'm not paying you. I'm not advancing cash to you anymore. That's not happening anymore. Um, you know, cause I, we take for granted, I came into pillow cube, right. Our, our fabric suppliers, our foam suppliers, um, our sewers, all of our vendors were expecting pillow cube to pay up front for services. Um, I realize that's a hard conversation to have because basically we're asking them to be a bit of a bank for us. Um, and it requires strong negotiation skills. And I'm not, I'm not like a rude or mean guy. Right. But going into those conversations saying, look, we have an amazing opportunity ahead of us. We're growing like crazy. You can either be a part of that or you, or we can find somebody else. And so we need mm-hmm. that third, 30 terms right now. Um, it's a tough, mm-hmm. difficult, uncomfortable conversation to have, but 
it's it will make a world of difference in your cash flow cycle. Mm-hmm. So you're you're I mean this is a little bit of negotiation tips 101 here from Clark the walk away. <laughs> Dude, yeah. you don't want to negotiate with you. I want it now or, or and I want it all or nothing. Well, I mean, that, you know, I am sure you can appreciate there's some nuance there, right? I I'm not mm-hmm. like I going into the the advice, I'm not saying I'm the type of guy that walks into every, every vendor and says do or die. Um, right. because there's some vendors you can't do without. I think it, and, you know, if you've read any of the negotiating, popular negotiating books, the only way you're going to effectively negotiate is if you are willing to walk away. So, yeah. you know, in my opinion, don't even bother negotiating unless you really do have other suppliers. But it goes back to our supply chain concepts I brought up in the beginning. You should mm-hmm. be diversifying your supply chain anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that kind of cuts against, you know, the classing char- classic Charles Deming from the 60s and 70s, which is single source supply everything. Um, unfortunately, in a global supply chain environment we live in, you have to have multiple suppliers. So mm-hmm. it, it also helps you in the negotiation room and saying, look, you know, if, if you don't want to be the guy, there will be someone out there to su- supply for me. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there's a softer way to negotiate it too, which is you just ask the simple question, what do you need to see to offer me credit terms? Mm-hmm. And if they say there's nothing that can be there, then you know, that's a, a supplier and vendor you don't want to work with. Cause if they're not willing yeah. to change over time and kind of see mm-hmm. a solid payment history, it's not mm-hmm. someone you want to negotiate with anyways. And yeah. so I think that's been a huge part of executing for us is, is making sure that small things like that are negotiated. And typically for yeah. the, the strategic thinker, it's not really what you want to be doing from a day-to-day mm-hmm. thing. You know, yeah. you, you don't want to be calling vendors and giving them a hard time about their payment terms. So mm. it's made a world of difference in our cash flow cycle, certainly. That's awesome, man. Well, Clark, you've been an amazing guest. You're you're uh, you're the full the first solo CFO to to rock rich ad poor ad. I think uh, this will be a breath of fresh air for everybody uh, listening. Tell everybody a little bit uh, how they can all support you and what you guys are up to at PillowCube. So, yeah, I mean that's a great question. So, PillowCube right now is we're we're still riding the success of our flagship product, which is the Pillow Cube and the Pillow Cube Pro. Uh, we recently just launched the Pillow Cubs. And <laughs> the Pillow Cubs is our kids' line of pillows. Um, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, these things are so much fun. And not only that, they're a functional pillow for your children uh, or the kids in your life if you don't have children. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially, it's it's our same design as the Pillow Cube Pro, but we're outfitting cases that are fun to play with. Um, they're stuffed animals, but that are also functional pillows right now. We're on kick. We're, we're just running our Kickstarter on the Cubs. Um, so you can find us by looking for pillow Cubs by pillow cube. Um, anticipate by Q3, Q4 that we'll have those for sale on our website as well. Um, it's just pillowcube.com. Um, and also, I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, if you're just looking for a life changing pillow, um and buy one of our yeah i'll even throw one out there right which is you know you got a lot of affiliates listening to the show and advertisers that are looking for offers that are working right that are scaling and um you know if you guys uh, are, are listening and you're looking for 
uh, you know, something that's scaling really well right now and you want to promote it on a performance basis, um, go try to negotiate a payout with Clark. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, that's why I said I didn't want to come across as a mean guy because you know, I always play good uh, cop when Jay and I are in the same room. He gets to be bad cop. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. I like it, man. Well, thank you so much, Clark. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. It's been fun. so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoorad.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ed book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoorad.com. To leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.